I just want to say good job. Uh, you're fighting through illness. You know, there's a winter weather advisory that went out this morning. And good job fighting through to get here. Give yourselves a round of applause. All right. <laughs> we began Advent last week. And Advent is a time of waiting. It is a time where, for the Christ follower, we recognize that Jesus came and then Jesus is going to come again. So the world was waiting for the first coming of Jesus. And now in Advent, we remember we are still waiting for him to come again. So we are in a time that is where we experience what Jesus brought to the world now and there's work yet to be completed. And so as people of Advent, we are in this habit and this practice of expecting what we just prayed, his kingdom to come now on earth as it is in heaven. And then also we look forward to the day where Jesus comes back and all, all of our hopes are, are held within Jesus and they will be fulfilled in him. So the theological phrase that Tony reminded us of last week is that we live in the now and the not yet. Now, yes, Jesus is bringing peace to us. We're going to hear some stories this morning. And it is, there's more to come. And we're living into that reality right now. I've called our Advent series Waiting in the Dark because sometimes it feels like we don't quite see how this is playing out in our lives. Today, I hope we get a further, better, deeper Profound look at Jesus bringing peace to our broken world. You excited? I am. You soon will be more excited. <laughs> we want to hear from you this morning. And so we do this periodically and regularly. Here's a phone number up here. You can take a picture of this screen to remind yourselves. In a few moments, I'm going to give you an opportunity to text in some comments. And then towards the end of the message, I'm going to invite you to text in your ideas for how we apply what we learned today. So you are in the conversation, and this is a way that you can participate uh, this morning. So that is 503-714-5752. That wasn't my best commercial voice. Yeah. Well, before we jump in today, um, each week we're hearing the Advent Scriptures read by the next generation. So here are them, they, <laughs> reading for us. Micah 524-5. But you, O Bethlehem, are only a small village among all the people of Judah. Yet a ruler of Israel whose origins are in the distant past will come from you on my behalf. And he will stand to lead his flock with the Lord's strength in the majesty of the name of Lord his God. Then his people will live there undisturbed. For he will be highly honored around the world, and he will be the source of peace. 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 Yes, give them a hand. 
<laughs> he will be the source of peace. Today, our candle representing peace. We experience peace, but we are also longing for more and more of it. Now, when I think of peace, I tend to think, my first thought is everything in its place, everything going just fine. I think of like no stress. I, I think of ease. I think of comfort. That's some of the things that I think of. Now, one of our favorite movies is The Santa Claus. Anybody else? That make your top 10 list or top five list? Yep. Love The Santa Claus. I was reminding my kids this last week that I, when I was 16, was the first time I saw The Santa Claus. I was babysitting some other kids, and I had my driver's license, and I drove them to the movie theater, and we watched The Santa Claus together. I felt so grown up. Oh. Well, I love this scene from The Santa Claus. This is towards the beginning of the movie. And... Um, Four hours. <laughs> Dad's got to make, you know, Christmas dinner. <laughs> Looks like he's done a great job. Wow. Well done. Oh, but then we see the reality. That's, that's just a commercial on TV. Yeah. Maybe this is your Christmas dinner. It's better in your mind than it actually is. Yeah. <laughs> And maybe some of your Christmas dinner. This is this is what it's really, really like. <laughs> that is exactly why you want a high-quality fire extinguisher right in the kitchen. Those flames will really big, Dad. And turkey's funny that way. <laughs> it's done. It's done. <laughs> Tim Allen with any kind of tool is just its own comedic genius. It's just, yeah, so very fun. We had grease spill at the Thanksgiving. Has anybody had a turkey fire before? Okay, Caleb, yeah, yeah, you have? Anybody else? Okay, thank you some other honest people. Yeah, yeah, right. Oh, my goodness. Uh, looks like he's going to pull off the, the perfect Christmas dinner. Um, but reality is often much more broken, isn't it? Like you'll see friends, and maybe you yourself over the next Christmas season, post on Instagram or Facebook or, you know, or, or whatever, and, and there's a bit of an airbrushed sense of reality, Right? That, that we all know isn't true, but we kind of start to think maybe it's true for other people. Maybe it's true for them. Let me be the first to tell you, everybody's life is chaos at some point. And it's broken. And we live in a world that wants to project something that isn't always true. As we think about peace today, here's a question. Can we experience peace in the midst of the chaos or can we only experience peace when all is super well and ordered and perfect? I hope it's the former. I hope that the peace that Jesus gives can stabilize me, can stabilize us in every season. Well, this morning, we get to hear a powerful testimony of Christmas peace in a literal firestorm of life. 
Would you welcome to the stage with me, Joe and Carol Mello. Come on up, guys. <clears throat> now, Joe and Carol have lived in Salem for only a few years now. This microphone is yeah, just for you. Um, they were contentedly and substantially planted in Paradise, California, but then what is known as the campfire happened. And I'll let you guys take it from there. Well, anyway, we, uh, we had a, a three-story house, and, and within an hour, it was down to um, six inches, basically. Uh, but, you know, God worked I think we it, have pictures on yeah, the screen, yeah. God worked it through that whole time. We were so blessed by that campfire in ways you'd never understand. We had... Um, Samaritan's Purse came to help us uh, sift through the ashes of what was left, and we didn't have much left. I mean, everything that we had was either uh, covered with glass or metal, but then there was, we expected one or two people to come from Samaritan's Purse, and 20 people showed up. Wow. I mean, we were so blessed. We, I mean, we couldn't believe it. And they each took a corner of our house, and then the miracle happened. And it's sitting here in front of us. We didn't have anything. But God gave us our whole nativity set. We got that as a wedding present from my aunt 50 years ago. It was white. It was beautiful. All the figures were perfectly white. But when we got it back from the Lord, it was so much prettier. The, the uh, wise men were red. And you don't get red unless you have 3,000 degrees. My daughter does ceramics, and the fire was so hot. We had a lapidary studio, and all the rocks in the lapidary studio crumbled. But God gave us this. I mean, we got every single piece out of that fire. There's 22 pieces. And Mary's face is white, and baby Jesus is white. You know, and we we all stopped and we all started crying. We couldn't believe what he gave us. And it was a miracle to us. Uh, God also gave us a, a, a um, what do you call it? A verse from Jeremiah. And we had that has been our whole verse for going forward from this fire. Uh, I know I, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to make you prosper and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. And God gave us so much hope that day. We went forward. We didn't know where we were going. We didn't know what he had in store for us. But we at least had his peace. When we sang that song today, God is so good. I was really good until we sang that song because he has given us so much peace these last few years mm -hmm. and that we trust in him. We know that he, anything that he does, it's in his plan for us. Mm. Do you have anything else? I'm not a speaker. <laughs> <laughs> and this is my rock. This is my husband, Joe. You know, it's just amazing. God just went before us and every need that we had, he took care of. I mean, we didn't have to worry. He found us a home. He found us a church. It's just amazing. When you trust God, he takes care of you. 
and he found us you guys, uh, you're the piece of your friendship. Uh, thank you. Can we go back to this nativity set? For the, for the Christmas season, this is going to be up here each week. And uh, if you do come take a closer look, just obviously this is precious, so uh, be careful. It's all taped down, actually, so hopefully my preaching dramatics don't create a problem. Isn't it beautiful? Like, you had no idea when you came in. You just thought, oh, that's lovely. Um, but it's been refined by fire. It's been gone through a transformation. And I just get a sense that maybe it's just for a couple of people in here, maybe it's for many, that you also are in a, a storm of life. And this can provide a, a living illustration of what God will do. Will do. So here's your first text-in opportunity. I'm going to give you the next moment, and I'm just going to put the camera right on the, right on the nativity. And uh, you have a minute to text in. What do you feel as you listen to Joe and Carol's story? And what do you think? Uh, what do you feel or what do you think? And this is just an opportunity to express, and then I'll, I'll read back a couple of things to the room which you might uh, connect with. All right, the timer will start now. You have a minute. So many good responses coming in. <laughs> All right. I'll just read a couple back for you. You probably resonate with some of these. Here's one. I care way too much about my home, possessions, and things being in the right place. I should trust God and not worry so much because he provides. That's a fresh living testimony, isn't it? Wow. Oops. No, I don't want to do that. Oops, excuse me.
it is very inspiring to look at God, look to God even in the hardest times. I know how hard it is to do this, um, and yet they are doing it positively amazing. I am amazed at God's protection and wisdom to provide such a tangible example of his peace. It definitely builds my faith. Anybody else feel that? Like, whoa, God can do that. <clears throat> I feel very encouraged listening to the testimony of God's goodness and provision coming from an older brother and sister in Christ. You guys are in your 50s, right? <laughs> the nativity on stage is a perfect picture of hope through suffering that while the pain is real and raw it's never in vain our suffering matters Jesus is with us Jesus is hope Jesus is with us Jesus is hope let me just reflect that back to you and put that into your heart right now um, God's faithfulness is for you. And maybe you are just discovering that along with us today. Hmm. All right. Thank you all. There's too many to, to read. I feel so honored to be here and a part of this community, especially in this season of transformation. Anybody else feel like you've been in the last few years through a season of transformation? Yeah, absolutely. Praise God. May it be so. And may we have the courage to continue with that, trusting that even in the trial, his peace is on the other side of it. Okay. Thank you, Joe and Carol. Thank you. Their story, yeah, thank you. And I just saw Jennifer in the back, recovering from surgery. It's good to see you. It's good to see you. Well, their story is so biblical. We might think that we can have peace when we have it all, but we might discover that when we have it all, is when we get our eyes off of God the most. Let's chat a bit about Micah 5, the, the verse that the kids read to us today. Here it is again. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, are only a small village among all the people of Judah. Yet a ruler of Israel whose origins are in the distant past will come from you on my behalf. And he will stand to lead his flock with the Lord's strength in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. Then his people will live there undisturbed, for he will be highly honored around the world. And he will be the source of peace. He will be the source of peace. So a bit of context here as we consider this passage. Micah is a prophet who wrote to the people of Israel and Judah about 700 years before the time of Jesus. So if you're newer to the scriptures, that's, this is a long before that prophesied that out of Bethlehem would come this one who would lead and who would be the source of peace. Now, in the time of Micah's writing, um, 
there's a lot of wealth and affluence and also uh, injustice that is happening. And a lot of the wealth is because of injustice. Now, he was writing in a time where there were some other false prophets prophesying in order to either make money or to stay close to the people in power. Um, But Micah and Isaiah and Amos spoke honestly that this time of prosperity doesn't mean it's God's favor because there's so much corruption that is at 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 the root of this. And it's difficult to be a prophet who, uh, who proclaims judgment when wealth is playing tricks on our eyes. And the people's spiritual eyes at this time were blinded to the corruption of the world. But Micah forges on. I think the same is true for us, and maybe particularly for us Christians who live in America, that affluence and riches and comfort can feel like peace. But Micah says that God will be the source of peace. What we just heard Joe and Carol say, it was God was the source of their peace and had what they needed. Now, the people listening to Micah said, he will be the source of peace. They may have laughed um, because they were comfortable. They were prosperous. They had peace. They did not need judgment or correction. In their mind, the wealth they had was an indication of the favor of God. They preferred prophets who just affirmed them. Don't we all? Don't we all like prophets or pastors or teachers that just say, you know, you're doing about everything right. (laughs) But true prophets are willing to speak the truth of God. Hmm. Amos, who is a contemporary of Micah, records the people's response when God raised up prophets who would correct them. Amos Uh, says, uh, he records the Lord saying, you commanded the prophets saying, you shall not prophesy. In other words, God sent these people to give them correction, to get them back on court, to speak against the injustices to the poor and to the overlooked and the abandoned. (laughs) God spoke to them and they said, basically, shut your mouth. (laughs) They basically said, in doing so, God, you shut your mouth. We don't want to hear from you. But the reality is they did need judgment. They did need correction. In their economy, the poor were left behind. Civic and religious leaders oppressed their people for selfish gain. Their peace was not real peace. And I think I find myself in the middle of this. Am I looking for everything just to be right and then describe that as God's peace? Or is he truly the source of my peace? So Micah spoke some judgment. And then in Micah 5 here, he spoke this word of hope. Into this opulence and oppression, Micah foretold the place of Jesus' birth in Bethlehem. And Micah gives a lovely descriptors of what the true king, what he would accomplish. 700 years later, Jesus would be born to bring true peace. The kind of peace that he brings doesn't need opulence or wealth or extravagance. His peace doesn't even need an army to enforce it. Jesus, the Prince of Peace, Prince of Peace, was born into poverty. Those listening to Micah may have rolled their eyes. Everybody roll your eyes. When 
A nowhere town, Bethlehem was mentioned as the place where the source of peace would come from. Jesus ended up being born in Bethlehem. Small, not very mentionable. It wasn't impressive, Jerusalem. It wasn't powerful, Rome. It wasn't New York City or Washington, D.C. or even Salem. Jesus was born in Mill City. (laughs) He was born in Dayton, Reedsport, Scott's Mill. To the little town of Bethlehem, the Son of God came. In Luke 2, we read this. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David called Bethlehem because he was descended from the house of the family of David. He went to be registered with Mary to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the end. Here in Luke 2 would fulfill another of another prophet's world words. Isaiah was a contemporary of Micah. And we read Isaiah says this, for a child has been born to us, a son given to us. Authority rests on his shoulders and he is named wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. His authority shall grow continually, and there shall be endless peace. For the throne of David and his kingdom, he will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time onward and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. He would bring peace. The baby come to Bethlehem. The baby whose first experience in life was to be a refugee as they fled to Egypt from King Herod, who would oppress them. He who would be the prince of peace, who lived having no home, he said. The son of man does not have anywhere to lay his head. He would be the prince of peace, even though he was executed so horrifically um, in his crucifixion. He would bring peace to the world, and he wants to bring peace to our lives as well. Peace is not just the absence of violence. Peace is made proactively by opposing violence. Peace is not stumbled into, but is courageously made in the power of Jesus and by his Holy Spirit. Towards the end of his life, Jesus said this, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. In other words, the world thinks it knows peace, but I do not give as the world gives. He says, therefore, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not let them be afraid. After Jesus said this in John 14, he would courageously confront the powers of darkness by willingly dying on the cross. He brought peace by being peace, taking the violence of the fallen world into himself so that we can live as forgiven peacemakers. The Apostle Paul picks up this theme quite a bit. And in Ephesians chapter 2, he says this, he writes this, But now in Christ Jesus, 
you who were once far off, have brought, been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace. In his flesh, he has made both groups into one. And who has, he has broken down the dividing wall. That is the hostility between us. Jesus comes to bring peace. The effect of Jesus, his entry into the world through that little town of Bethlehem, is that now people who were previously at enmity or animosity with one another would be reconciled. Now Paul is referencing in Ephesians here the peace made between the Jews and the Gentiles. We who follow Christ, it's even bigger than that, we actively pursue reconciliation between whole groups of people who have previously been at odds with each other. It is cosmic and affects every, every grouping, every nation, every tribe, every tongue will be brought to peace with God and with one another through our King Jesus. It is that cosmic. Somebody say praise God. Praise God. Yeah. And comes right into your very living room, to your family room, to your holiday dining table. We as Christ's followers actively expect reconciliation multiplies in our families, even families that have experienced deep brokenness. Jessica shared a story with me before church last Sunday that I'd like to now share with you, Jesus is reconciling all things and all people. Yeah, so um, I'm Jessica, and I'm a mom of two beautiful girls, Faith and Hope. And we've been coming here, Hope is six now, and we've been coming here since she was 10 months old. Wow. And uh, we just had a fantastic Thanksgiving. A fantastic, yes, you came and told me, or I mean, actually, I just asked you, how was your Thanksgiving? And you were just like gushing. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So tell us the backstory of the family, which led up to this really beautiful moment. So I come from a very broken family. Um, it was torn apart by abuse and drugs. Um, I've seen drug abuse, alcoholism, divorce, all of it. Um, and my biological father was removed from my life when I was younger than the second grade. So I'm not mm. quite sure what age I was, mm -hmm. probably around five or six. Yeah. Um, and we didn't hear anything for 15 years. He was gone, no birthday cards, nothing. Wow. Um, and he returned back, um, asked if we wanted to have a relationship. And I made the decision that... I was going to be open to that. Mm -hmm. I was getting ready to go to college, and I wanted that to give him one last shot. Um, and we've, for the last 15 years, have grown a beautiful relationship. But my mother wasn't really one to want to have him come back. Um, understandably, <laughs> a lot of challenges there. But something started to shift. Tell us about that. So, yeah, there's many years we're talking 30 years of a lot of resentment, bitterness, and just hurt, a mm -hmm. lot of hurt. It was pretty easy to ignore. Lives out of state, wasn't around. We were grown, so the kids were grown, so they didn't have to co-parent. And I know with 
past programs here at the church, I've reached out. My mom has actually, you know, made some motions to further her walk with God and strengthen that relationship. Um, she did the Emotionally Healthy Discipleship class last year. And um, we sat down and had some really good talks about forgiveness and hmm. growth in her heart. And, you know, my biological dad was not even on my radar because I had written it off. So yeah. I had thought, you know, they'll, they'll never amount to like having a, a good relationship. Anyway, she's, she's been doing a lot of work, a lot of prayer and, and self-reflection. And this Thanksgiving, we got word that he was going to come up from out of state, living in California, come up for Thanksgiving. So when we presented it to mom said, you know, he's coming into town. We'll do two different dinners. Hmm. That way, you know, we don't have to worry about anything or any stress. And her reaction shocked us all. <laughs> wow. She, uh, she said, no, invite him over for dinner. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. And this is 30 years. Yes. Yes. Resentment and pain. Mm -hmm. Understandably. I mean, yes. a lot there. Yeah. Now she says, oh, invite him to come. Yes. And what was that like? Uh, for me, it was nerve-wracking in the beginning. I, I was excited. I, I stopped and I, I said, whoa, mom, okay, okay, we're doing this. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I actually told her, I said, you know, and this was before the dinner, I said, that this isn't going unnoticed. Like yeah. this, kudos to you. Yeah. And so I was a little, a little nervous that it might be tense, mm -hmm. but... You know, he's a pretty laid back guy. So I thought, well, if there's any tension, you know, he'll shrug it off mm -hmm. and, and it can be saved. And and so I just kind of decided, let's let's go for it. You yeah. know, kept an open mind all the way up until Thanksgiving. So you, we just, you just went with it. We winged it. Wow. <laughs> yeah. You shared some just small vignettes of that day mm -hmm. um, that kind of blew you away and blew me away when he told me. Yeah, so we arrived, we got there early, so my dad and I were the first to arrive, and so we had a little bit of one-on-one -on -one time while mom was setting up the kitchen, so it was great. I mean, they were talking, we played board games and games on holidays, mm -hmm. and they were on each other's team. Whoa. They won board games together <laughs> as a team. They were fist bumping across the <laughs> dining room table. They sat next to each other during dinner and talked through the whole meal. One of our traditions for Thanksgiving is to go around the table and talk about things that we're thankful for. And when we got to my dad, his thankful for was for my mom. He said, you know, I'm, I'm thankful for Janice because she's the queen bee and she has raised a beautiful family and we wouldn't all be here unless it was for her. And, and so there's huge gratitude there wow. stated at the table. And by the end of the night when we went to go leave, my mom gave him a hug and thanked him for coming. <laughs> Wow. Wow. What did you feel after that? It was a huge relief. Um, just exciting. Mm -hmm. I mean, the sense of, oh my gosh, like, I don't even know if there's words to put to it when you've written something off for 30 years thinking that there would not be peace in that area. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Isn't that incredible? Yeah. 
Jessica, Jessica had some more great reflections. Um, and that's the full story is going to be on our YouTube channel and our podcast as well, because I think her reflections will be um, further strengthening to you. And if you're somebody that's facing a situation like that, um, I encourage you to take a listen to that. Peace in our hearts and peace through trials, peace through storms, peace between us and the other, whoever that other is. So let's notice as we conclude. The Mellow story illustrates so powerfully what is possible for us. Peace, even if everything else is stripped away. Jesus is with us. God is with us. Secondly, Jessica's story illustrates how Jesus brings about peace between each other when we allow his healing power in our lives. What Jessica shared with us is, you know, these lofty theological ideas about God reconciling all things. It comes down to something like tangible. And many of you gasped when you heard of them embracing or winning at games and fist bumping together. The king of the universe coming down He wants to actively create peace through you. And the way he does it is by healing you bit by bit so that you become what the scriptures call a minister of reconciliation. Hmm. Now, I'd like to hear from you again. Pull out your phone. We're going to text in some ideas for application. Sometimes I presumptuously up here tell you all what to do next. (laughs) But I would like for you to tell me or us, what do we do next? As we think about the next next few weeks, the holiday season, a lot of this kind of stuff, a lot of disruption of peace comes up. So what do we do about this? So what are some ways we might live out this peace in the days and weeks to come? Love to hear your thoughts, and I'll reflect back a few. As, as we go. Guys, there's some just beautiful stuff coming through. I won't inter- I'm going to give you just a few more seconds if you're writing, so. This is beautiful. This person said, an application is personal. Invite my ex-husband to our family movie night and Christmas Eve service so he can participate with his son as a family. 
Thank you for sharing that, whoever that was. Practice forgiveness. Yeah. Just a slight encouragement around thank, or forgiveness. There's some, there's some wounds that I have experienced in, in my family, and I felt this week, I was like, I was prompted like, oh, I feel it. This is something I have to practice forgiving, not just one time, but keep moving towards being a person of reconciliation, receiving healing. So if that's you, don't feel like, oh, why can't I get this? Everybody else is doing just fine. No, myself, I feel it right here, right here. It's a bit of a feeling just lodged right there. I just want to take to the Lord. And in communion, that's going to be my confession today. Lord, I, I see it, I feel it. Anybody else identify you can feel a feeling somewhere in your body? Yeah. <clears throat> Assume the best and give peace a chance. Hmm. Assume the best. Oh, that's hard, isn't it? Oh, man. <sighs> hmm. Write down a list of people who we have conflict, conflict with. Reach out to them. And this person said, and let them know they are forgiven. My only caution there would be, if they know there's unforgiveness, do that. But it can be really painful to say, you know, you're a jerk and I forgive you. Wait, I was a jerk to you? <laughs> you know, so I don't think this person was meaning that, but just a pastoral wisdom for you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, opening a wound and then throwing Neosporin in right away is... Still really painful, so just be, <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Ask myself if my words and actions promote or hinder peace. Ask myself, reflect. Do my words promote or hinder peace? That's lovely. When we don't accept others and make them fit in our box, we make them afraid and we steal God's peace from them. So the short answer is acceptance. In other words, our judgment, oh man, our judgment, condemnation towards others. If anybody in your life that God has put in your sphere isn't is an ew to you, Maybe just take that before the Lord, even in our time of communion, and say, I was never, I was never you to you. Right? Came in his love and his goodness to each of us. <sighs> Thank you. Thank you all for sharing.
you are a congregation that I want to be a part of. Leaning into the Lord together, learning together and growing together, being honest with each other, being vulnerable. Jessica, thank you. Mellows, thank you for your vulnerability, your honesty. It helps us all. This is the kind of congregation that we want to be with one another. We can be, not on our own, but because of Jesus. Jesus.